Hello, this is Pastor Don from the Atlantic Evangelical Free Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check us out on the web at atlanticfreechurch.com. In the meantime, I hope the sermon you're about to hear draws you closer to the Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. Our speaker this morning is uh, a fellow Gideon, and uh, before he... It's all the way up here. I would like to have all the Gideons in our audience please stand, and their wives. Gideons and their wives. So if you would do that, that will give you an idea that, you know, we do have an active Gideon camp in here. So thank you so much. Steve is uh, um, really the regional director of Southern Iowa. That sounds so impressive. But uh, we'll accept you the way you are. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing this. You bet. You bet. They forgot to uh, change the schedule. They thought the pastor was speaking today. So when, when uh, I was told I had 20 or 25 minutes, when I look on the schedule, it says I have 40 minutes. So, so, so we'll see how this works for you. So do we have some slides? While we're waiting for the slides to come up, why don't I, I explain a little bit? Mar- Marlene is here with me today, and we've been involved with the Gideons for, for a long time. And uh, we were looking for a way that we could reach beyond what our local church could, could do, and we found that the Gideons was a wonderful way for that. But, but even more than that is, it was a way that she and I could work together in an organization. And so that we were truly, truly blessed for, to be able to do that. So. I want you to imagine with me that it's tomorrow morning and you go to your post office and, and pick up Okay, there it is. Uh, and you pick up your mail. Now maybe you go to an old you know, post office like this where they used to have or maybe it just comes to your, your mail. That's immaterial. But when I had an office in Red Oak, a lot of times I didn't pick up my mail on Saturday. So I knew on Monday morning I was going to have a weekly time and I was going to have some coupons, probably have some correspondence from some of my clients. But this particular day when you go, besides that, you find that you have a personal letter written to you. And you look at the return address and you see it's from God. Are you going to open that letter right away? Are you going to lay it on the table and say, I'll, I'll do it when I get time? Are you going to throw it in the waste paper basket and say, that's junk mail? So let's say you open it right away. And let's say you're maybe even in, in the post office. Are you going to share what's in that letter with people that are there? Are you going to share it with your coffee club? I was speaking in a church in Des Moines here a couple years ago. There was a lady about where you are. And I said, same question, are you going to share that letter? She said, well, it depends on what he said. <laughs> so so I, I, I think I, I understand what that is. But do you realize that each and every one of us has a personal letter written by God to us? The Holy Bible. It is a personal letter that explains any issue that we have. There was a survey done by the Banner Group a couple years ago, and they only surveyed professing Christian people. It wasn't the, the whole society, but it was professing Christian people. And they found in that survey that less than 20% of 
of professing Christians had ever shared a copy of God's Word with anyone outside of their home family. Well, I'll let you know, Lee and Dick and the fellows, the other ones stood there, are part of that 20% because we're part of the Gideon's organization. And in 2019, the Gideons distributed a little over 84 million copies of God's Word throughout the world. 84 million is a big number. It's hard to put, put your mind around it. Let me make it more easy for you to understand. Every time your heart beats, two copies of God's Word are being distributed somewhere in the world through the Gideon's organization. And why do we do it? We do it for one reason. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to be void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper to the things where I send it. So when we're placing the, the Bible, we're not placing a book. Or some people would say 66 books. We are actually placing the living word of God. I kind of set in a little bit on your Sunday school class, the part of it this morning, and when you were talking about whether or not to believe the Bible or not to believe the Bible, excellent, the fellow who was leading it did a really nice job. But when we are placing it, we are placing the living Word of God. So what does the living Word of God look like? People say, well, you know, you say you're placing it, what does that really look like? Let me explain. There was a Gideon camp that was trying for a long time to place Bibles in a little mom and pop motel. And for one reason or the other, they kept having difficulty finding the owner or the manager there so they could do it. And when they talked to the people at the front desk, well, they weren't authorized to do it. So it was, it was very frustrating and it went on for quite a while. So one Gideon said, I am going to personally pray every day that some way we're able to place Bibles in that motel because I feel God is telling me we need Bible in that, in that motel. So this went on for a little period of time and one Sunday as he was coming home from church with his wife and two kids, they began having car trouble. Now you have to remember this was before everybody had cell phones. Okay? Put this in perspective. So he talked to his wife, his wife was very concerned, and he said, honey, I think the motel that we've been trying to place Bibles in is, is just a block or two over here. I bet I can get over there before my car gets too hot, and I bet I can use their phone. So he did, he made it over there, and when he went in, the lady was very gracious. They used the phone, he made arrangements with his neighbor to come get him, and as he was there, he was talking to the lady, and he said, you know, we've been I'm a part of the Gideon's organization. We've been trying to find the owner or the manager of this hotel for, for a long time, and we can never do it. She looked up and smiled, and she said, my husband and I own this. And she said, the reason I'm here today is because the young lady that normally is at the front desk called in sick. So I am here. So he talked to her about placing Bibles. Their first comment was, well, we can't afford them. We're, we're just getting by. He said, no, we'll provide the Bibles for you. She said, I'll tell you what you can do. If you can place them today while I'm here, I'll help you put them in the rooms that are vacant and then I'll make sure they get in the other rooms when you do it. But you have to have a Bible for every room. He said, how many rooms do you have? She said, we have 30. 
he thought for a minute. He'd been on a distribution the week before where they go out and they exchange Bibles in, in motel rooms and stuff. Our guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And he knew he had some Bibles in his trunk, but he, but he had really no idea how many. So he went out to the trunk of his car and he scrounged around and he found five Bibles. But then he saw there was a full case that hadn't been opened. How many Bibles is in a case? 25. So he had 30 Bibles. The Bibles were placed in, in the motel. Uh, he gave her his card like we do and said, if we, if we need to replace them or you need some questions or something, here's, here's my number. About 10 days later, he got a phone call and says, can you come to the motel? The devil works on us all. The devil says, someone has complained. We're going to have to come and take these Bibles out or something like that. That, that was the thought. But he went to the motel. And when he got there, the young lady at the front took him back to the office where the, where the, the manager was. It was the same lady that he had talked to originally. She said, I want to tell you what happened. She said, night before last, a young lady checked into our motel. And the next morning, when she came to check out, she came carrying your Gideon Bible. And she asked the young lady out front, can I take this with me? And the lady, young lady had no idea. She said, well, it's not ours. I don't know how I can tell you to take it. Said, no, I wanted to take it with me. She said, I, I really can't take it. The young lady reached into her purse and pulled out a handgun. He said, can I trade this Bible for this gun? She said, I came here last night with the intention that I was going to take my life. She said, my longtime boyfriend had left me. I just found out at the first of the week that my company was downsizing and I was going to lose my job. I had walked away from my family a number of years ago, and I felt that I was all alone. I had no idea what to do. But to take my life would, would solve that problem. But she said, for some reason, I reached in and found this Gideon Bible. She said, I hadn't looked at a Bible for years. And I looked in the front, and in the front of the Bible, there are a number of helps. And she said, I spent the entire night reading through this. And what I found, guys, is that I am not alone. There is a God that loves me, and that there is a better way than taking my own life. The manager looked up at the Gideon and had tears running down her eyes. And she says, I want you to know that was my baby sister. I want you, I want you to, I don't know how to thank the Gideons for being able to place that there. But also what I wanted you to know is she has been back in our family. We've accepted her back. We're going to help her get through what this is. Folks, that's what the living Word of God can do. That's one example. Another one is, there was a 15-year-old boy from Guatemala that was playing soccer. Some way during the soccer match, he got knocked down and uh, broke his right arm. So they took him to the doctor like we would. He had a cast put on his arm. But about two weeks later, they noticed that his fingers were starting to turn blue and black. So he went back to the doctor and they discovered that he had gangrene had set in. And the only way to save him the rest of the body was to amputate his right hand. 
He didn't know what was going to happen when he went in for surgery the second time. He knew he was having surgery, but he didn't know what was happening. When he got out of the surgery and he discovered that his right hand was missing, he started screaming, I can't live this way, I don't want to live. I can't live this way, I don't want to live. There's no way I can want to live this way. His mom was trying to console him and was having very little luck doing that. And a nurse overheard him and she walked in and she was trying and she was also having difficulty making him. I mean, I, some of you guys may be close to 15 years old. Can you imagine losing your right hand? I mean, there's stuff. So the nurse said, I know what helps me when I have this. And she pulled out a medical testament that we have like this. And she said she had received this about a month before from the Gideons when they were doing, or from the auxiliary actually, when they were doing, uh, when they were doing distribution. And he actually said, I don't care, I don't want it. He took it in his left hand and threw it against the wall. Well, the nurse got called out to do the res res rounds. And while he was out, he, he crawled out of bed and he walked over to where he had thrown this Bible. And what was his natural reaction? To reach down with his right hand. And that just set him off again. But he did pick up the Bible. And when he picked it up and, he, and his mom came back into the room, he said, Mom, I just heard from God. That Bible opened to Matthew 5, verse 30, which says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. He said, God spoke to me and I could preach people and lead people to Christ without a right hand. This is the personal testimony of Alfredo Oldbarth from, from uh, Guatemala. And he has led thousands of people to Christ. And it was because of a Gideon Auxiliary Testament that was placed in his hand at that time. So folks, a book, when you throw a book against a wall, it's not going to open to where it needs to be at that particular kind. But the living word of God can do that. So we, we know that. Okay, I'm going to switch a little bit here because you know, you've seen what your local Gideons do when we do distributions at Sidewalk Distribution School, we do some colleges and stuff like that. I want to show you what happens when you go on an international blitz. In 2015, I was privileged to ask to go to Rwanda to distribute Bibles for about 10 days. Rwanda is in the middle of Africa, and you can see right where, where it is, a real small country. And uh, when, when we do that, we, we find that it gives you an idea of what it looks like. Uh, the one white guy in the group. <laughs> but uh, I mean, and, and, and one of the things you're gonna see when I show some other slides here, these kids wanted to touch you. So they, that was just part of what they, oops, I need to go back one. Okay, this lady here is special to me. This is a head teacher in a, the first school that I went to, to to distribute. And why is she important to me? I knew I was going on this blitz about six months before we went because we had to get our shots and all that kind of stuff. And about a week to 10 days before that, I kept getting this thought in the back of my mind that was just really bugging me. It says, Steve, are you going to Rwanda to distribute Bibles because God wants you to? Or are you going to Rwanda because it's on your bucket list and you want to do it for yourself? 
And it truly, truly bothered me. And I, I talked to a couple of the Gideons in my camp. I talked to my own pastor. And they all had the same comment probably that I would have. Well, Steve, you wouldn't be paying your way to go around the, halfway around the world. And you wouldn't be doing all this if God wasn't calling you to do it. But that still didn't really satisfy me. And even when I got to Rwanda, I still had this thought in the back of my mind. This lady is the head teacher of the very first school that I went to to distribute. When we got there, there were seven of us, six of us from the United States and one from uh, Australia. And they divided us into seven teams. We went seven different directions every day. But, but my team went to this school. And through a translator, she said, I have been praying for a year and a half that someone would bring Bibles to my kids. And I knew right then why I was there. She, they, they used a Gideon from Iowa to distribute Bibles in her school to answer her prayers. It could have been another organization. It could have been one of the other six guys that was on it. But God used this guy from Iowa to fulfill a, a promise, that, uh, a prayer that, that she had. So that is, that is one of the ways that, that we find that, uh, that is really important. I had about two different, different events that happened over there that I knew God was involved. There's where I'll tell you, the kids want to touch you. Okay, these are just some pictures I want to run through kind of fast. Okay, this is the, the church that I spoke in. And what was exciting, in 2015, to be real honest, I was kind of frustrated with what I was seeing in, in our country with church. I mean, church, and, and the other guys that are speakers for the Gideons will say the same thing. Churches that I spoke into 15 years ago would have 150 people. And if I would go in 2015, there might be 25 or 50. And I don't care what denomination. It was just, it was just frustrating. I, I just felt that, that church was no longer important. Well, when I went to Rwanda, this, this church, and if you go to the next one, this is the pastor and his wife. And they started that church six years before I was there. So six years before 2015. They started, and they started in their living room with six people. When I was there, they were having two services of 500 people each in that. And that happened within six years. I, I, I'd be interested in what they're doing right now. Would you go on? Okay, that, when we give a talk over there, we had to have a translator. They, they, they have actually three official languages in Rwanda. Kenya, Rwanda is probably what 80% of the people speak, and uh, that's what the service was. So you, you say a sentence or two, and then the translator speaks for you. Go on. If you talk about your pastor speaking for 40 minutes and you think it's long, <laughs> this fellow spoke for an hour and a half at each service, and he never stopped behind the pulpit once. He was pacing the entire time for an hour and a half. They have 30 minutes of music, and I think you can play it next. You got sound? Look at the, look at the age of the people. Get your worship team keyed up a little. There, 
bouncing. Okay, that's it. Okay, so, so I just wanted to show you that, that it was exciting for me to see what was happening in other parts of the world with, with Christianity. And uh, Rwanda is actually about 80% what they profess to be Christian. Now, they include some groups in it as Christians that, that we don't, maybe, but, but 80% are approximately that. Okay, this is a Bible that we found on a teacher's desk. By the way, we replaced it with a brand new one. They are using the Bible to teach over there. Next slide, please. It has to do with the Lord's Prayer was on the wall of the classroom, and they were able, that's, that's what they were using to teach. In, in their, and this was in their public part of school, too. These weren't uh, parochial schools. Okay? Talk about ingenuity. A lot of these schools that we went to were way out. We, we based out of Kigali, which is the capital, but we found we, what they wanted us to do is we didn't distribute any Bibles in, in Kigali because the local Gideons could do that. They had us go two to three hours outside of Kigali. A lot of these schools were out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, no electricity, no water, and all of a sudden kids would come crawling out of the hills, and some of these schools were two or 300 kids in them, so they were big schools. But look what this teacher for ingenuity, he has a little solar panel that he generates enough electricity that he can run a computer with. It's amazing what they do. Cool. Okay, one of the days we could not go to schools because it was a holiday, so we went to a prison and uh, we distributed there. What was interesting about that is within the prison there are 10 different religious groups and uh, we were able to, to uh, distribute about 7,000 copies of God's Word within this prison. One thing about their prison system is a little different here. You don't see any weight rooms or TVs. Uh, you see them out working. And someone said, well, isn't it kind of dangerous with those big axe things they have? Well, if you notice, there's a guy behind him with a great big gun, too. So, uh, so they do that, okay? Okay, if you know anything about Rwanda, you know in, in 1994 is when the terrible genocide took place. In, that, in April of 94, uh, the president's plane was shot down. He is, was a member of the Hutu tribe. And there's two main tribes, the Hutu and the Tutsis. And when that is, a rioting broke out and they mass murdered. The, 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 the object was the Hutus were going to eliminate all Tutsis, period. I don't care if they're kids or what, they're going to eliminate a whole generation. In a hundred days, there was about a million people that were killed. This is one of the mass graves that's in Kigali. Uh, there's several of these around the, around the, the country. This particular one, there's 250,000 people buried in that one mass grave. So, terrible ger genocide. I asked uh, my, my translator and my drivers, both had family members that were involved, that were killed during this. Uh, my translator actually left the country for about uh, a year and a half until it settled back down again. So, terrible thing took place there. Uh, no one came in from the outside. United Nations withdrew their troops when this was going on instead of bringing more troops in, and a million people were killed. Okay, this gives you a little idea. There's a really a difference in, in uh, the, the populations there. You have the very wealthy people, and then you have the, the majority of the people who are very, very poor. This is a, the main roads going from country to country are pretty good, but this is typical of that. Okay, if you go back to the next one, this next one is where I, I had another God event. We were clear out in the middle of nowhere, 
and you're going to see in the next slide that there, a pickup that I was in with, with guys, and we were going out to schools to distribute Bibles. But we were stopped out in the middle. And we have stories of Gideons that have been taken ransom out in the middle of nowhere, and, or we have them that are they're arrested on some trumped-up charges. And you have to remember, I can't speak Kenyan language, so I didn't know what was going on. But I knew we were out in the middle of nowhere, and they kept pointing to me and, and I, I, what was going on. So I just looked up to God, and I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm in your hands. And so the guards asked our driver, this is what they tell, told me later, asked him what they were doing, and they explained that we had Bibles in the back, and we were going to schools, and we were going to distribute them there. So they actually looked at the back of our pickup to make sure. And the reason they have to do that is there's a lot of black market stuff goes on over in those countries, and so they wanted to make sure. But when they discovered that we did have Bibles in there, he looked at my driver and he said, go spread God's word. And I said, God, I, I thank you. Because I, I know of, we've had ones in, in Iowa that have been taken into police station and stuff, and I think, ladies, you know some of these guys too. So, okay. There's a cute little gal that I, I met over there, and uh, they're, they're just as sweet as they are here. And, and uh, I have another picture, and I have a whole program on running, which I'm not doing here, but I have one on it that, that, that young ladies learn attitude, whether they're in the United States or over there. And I've got a picture of a gal that, that's looking, looking down, and I took her picture, and then she turned around at me with that look. I don't know how you explain it, but it's, that look, and, and I said, she's got the attitude. Go on. Okay, when you're in Rwanda, when you shake hands in, in order to, to show uh, true, true loyalty to a person, when they shake hands, they put their other hand on their own arm, not on yours, but on their own arms. They said that actually started back when the tribes were there that showed that I don't have a knife behind my back. So they, they do and, and you can see when this little guy reached in to get a Bible from him, he had, he, that's a sign of respect. But what did he do with that Bible? He took it to his heart. So, so it really, it really is, that, that, that's an important one to me. Okay. Okay, so one of the things that churches always ask us is, what can we do for the Gideon's organization? And the very first thing you can do is pray. And I'm, I'm sincere. That's the most important thing that you can do. Pray for safety. We have guys and gals in other countries that just being a Christian is dangerous. But we also, if you saw some of those roads like that, just for getting from point A to point B sometimes, some of these guys are carrying Bibles on bicycles to get from place to place. So pray for that. Pray that the doors remain open. I think we're in 201 countries right now, but that can change that quick. If the government just says, no longer do, can Gideon's uh, function in our country. It can happen that quick. <clears throat> but also pray that new doors will open for us. Because there are a lot of the world that, that need to know about our God, but also are, are wanting something because what they're believing in right now does not give them hope. Christianity, we have hope. 
through Jesus Christ, we have hope, and we know that. So pray, pray is, is the most important thing. Secondly, and you've already had a number of, of fellows here, but if there's some others of you guys that, that would be interested in the games, or talk to, you, to Lee and to Dick and the other fellows here that, uh, about, about what, it become, what it's like to become a member. And if you are interested and you are married, have your wife talk to some of the wives too, because we have guys that are part of the Gideons because their wives told them they were going to be. It's just the way it works. You know? so, so make sure that they do that. And then the third thing is, is you can financially help support us. They're going to take an offering as we leave today for, at, at the back, I think, or at the side doors. But what we want you to know is 100% of the monies that we collect in church services, or if any of you have used the Bible or the uh, Gideon card program for memorials and that type of thing, I know you have a rack here in your church. 100% of that money goes to either buy the Bibles or for, pay for the transportation to get them there. When we go on blitzes like, like I did to countries, the Gideon pays his own way for those. That doesn't, none of the church funds are, are of that. So make sure that, that if you want to financially support them. And then I have another slide that I, I, I had this picture in my office for a long, long time. And this is the picture of a, a little guy, and this was not in Rwanda. This was in, in Guyana, I think. And it was when the Gideons were doing a distribution there. And when they were doing it, they actually physically ran out of Bibles. And this little guy looks up at the Gideon and says, will you come back for me? A lot of, a lot of times when I'm in my recliner, it's really nice and comfortable, and I know I'm going to have to drive three hours to go to a, a meeting of some kind for the Gideons or, or do a speaking thing or somewhere, I think of this little guy. Because how many other little guys or gals are there out in the world that maybe your dollar twenty-five would have bought a testament that that little guy could have got? So keep that in mind. And the last slide I have has to do with a scripture verse that I like really well. It's Proverbs 3.27. It says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Folks, we have the power within our hands to help distribute Bibles throughout the world. The Gideons has the most efficient Bible distribution program in the world, by far. Help us with that, if you would, but also, more than anything else, pray that these doors would remain open, that the people would be safe, and that God would continue to bless this organization that's been in the ground for over 100 years. Let's go to the word and prayer. Dear God, I thank you for the support that this church has. I ask that you continue to bless these people. I ask that you continue to make sure that the word is being taught and that the word is being understood. I pray that everyone that is here, whether you realize it or not, have a mission field. And I pray that you would recognize what that mission field is. And when you see opportunities, I pray that you're bold enough to follow through. Because God, we have a, a world that has a lot of darkness right now. We know that your light will penetrate that darkness.
And I know that you've asked us to be the arms and the legs, the voices and the pats on the back to help spread that light. Continue to be with this particular church, continue to be with this particular Gideon camp. And God, I just know that everything we have is for your glory. And I know that you are desirous that we would continue to do that. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Every heartbeat, your Bibles are given out. That's going to stick with me for a little bit. It really is. You know, the preaching of the cross is those that perish, foolishness. And to us which are saved is the power of God. We learn about the cross, we learn about God's love through his word. Stand with us as we sing the power of the cross.